So hey, well, welcome to family night. Welcome to Emerge. We're really glad you're here. Um, I want to introduce to you my family real quick. So if you don't know me or if you don't know my family, this is us. This was just a couple weeks ago at, or actually Sunday at Mother's Day. Um, obviously, I'm the little guy on that side. Um, that's me. This is my daughter, Evie, next to me. She is 12 years old. She's a sixth grader at Grain Valley North Elementary School. That is my, I said middle school. Oh, I'm middle school, whatever. Um, this is my wife right here holding the other little man there. Uh, her name is Kristen. And then uh, our youngest right there, he is six years old. His name is Jet Calvin Wyatt, and he's the coolest little kid you'll ever meet. And then on the far this side is Jackson, and he is a freshman at Green Valley High School. So um, that's my family, and uh, we want to, so you met me, and hopefully I get a chance to meet you if I haven't already. So, but here's the great thing about families. We recognize that families look so different for each one of us. Every one of us, our families look different. Some of, some families are great. Some families are highly dysfunctional. Some families are from split homes. Some families, there are adopted kids. There are perfectly normal and they're perfectly abnormal families represented in this room. And it's a beautiful thing. Like I myself, I come from a blended family. My dad uh, was married before my wife and had four kids. I am the youngest of six. Any babies in here? Any other young, youngest? Yeah. I'm the youngest of six. Um, but growing up, my parents did all sorts of crazy things. How many of you guys, you're stu- you would say your parents do crazy things? Yeah, or weird things. Yeah. So my parents would dress my brother up in matching clothes. Like he's two, my closest brother's two years older than me. We, we were both young. We both, um, weren't really the same size. I was, I was, I was shorter and a little chubbier. Actually, I wasn't chubby. My mom said I was husky. So I don't know what that means, but we were all wearing cowboy hats. This is so weird. I don't even know what's going on here, but I'm the little one on the, on the side. Anyways, my brother, who's two years older than me, um, but they would dress us up in matching clothes. Anybody in your family did that? You would get matching clothes, everyone. Um, parents, though, parents do the craziest things. I had a good friend of mine in school that um, we would be watching TV, and it wouldn't even necessarily be a bad thing, but there would be a scene that would come on the TV that was something that implied, like the, the man and woman were, were together, and the mom would hop up in front of the TV and start singing show tunes. She'd say, hello, my honey, like... Just so to, dis- to distract us from what was going on on the TV. Like some of my best memories in my whole life are, are with my parents. Like we would, take, we would take road trips. I've been from coast to coast. I've been from top to bottom of the United States um, and, and on road trips and doing different kinds of things. I remember being bored to death at family reunions and my dad paying my brother and I off just to be good. Like, and, and we would groan, every dad has his dad jokes, right? And he, my dad had the worst. And I remember promising myself as a kid that I'll never do that or I'll never say that or I'll never act like that when I'm a dad. And now I am. And I catch myself 
sounding like my dad. I catch myself talking like my dad. I'm starting to look like my dad. I tell bad dad jokes. Um, like, it's, it's actually sad, really. Um, but it's, it's, it's the beautiful thing about family. And sometimes it can be a mess. Your family can be a mess. But here's the deal. Those are your people. That's your people. How many of you guys have ever, like, you can trash your family. You can talk, you can talk trash on your brothers or your sisters. But if someone else steps up and they start talking trash on your, like, you're going to throw fists. Like, I'm going to start flipping tables in here. Like, we're going we're gonna to throw down. Like, but that's the great thing about family. Like, I can say things about my parents or about, like, I can say things about my grandma's mustache. But if you say something about my grandma's mustache, we will, we will throw down. But here's the deal. Families can be weird. Parents can be weird. Moms and dads say the weirdest things. How many of you guys, your parents have ever said, I have had it up to here with you? And then how come you're like, well, what happens when I get to here? Like, <laughs> come on, mom. Or, or how many of you, your mom or your dad has ever said, how many times do I have to tell you? Well, what's the correct answer here, mom? Because if I say 37, you're probably going to beat me. But if I don't give an answer, what's the correct answer? So, but like, and, and I don't know if your mom has ever asked you this, but maybe your mom or your dad has, before you're leaving the house, they're like, did you, did, did you change your underwear? Did you change your underwear before you leave the house? Let's be honest. Who, whose mom is, whose parents have said that? Yeah? All right. We have a few, not many. Because, because here's the deal. They want you to change your underwear in case you get into a car accident. Like, Mom, who's, who's going to be looking at my shorts? It's not cool. But, or or maybe, maybe your mom or your dad, maybe you've gotten a spit bath. You may have gotten a spit bath before. You're walking into a restaurant or to see family or to see friends, and you got stuff on your face, and your mom's like, oh, you look disgusting. And he starts wiping the stuff off of your face. My dad, I don't know about in, in your homes or in the home that you grew up in, but my dad would give spankings. Like he would give us spankings and, uh, with, with the belt or with a tree limb or with a stick, like whatever he could find. One time my dad was so mad, he was like, go get me something to spank you with. I came back with a pillow. <laughs> that, that didn't go very well for me. Um, and I learned a trick, just so you guys know, for any of you guys who, who still get spankings, um, I learned a trick that it, it hurts a little bit less the closer that you stand to them. Just a little trick. Um, but students, I want to give you guys some advice tonight. Parents, I want to I help you out tonight. Um, but the chances are pretty good that students, that you're, you're going to turn out like your parents, or similar to your parents. Everybody's in here like, oh, no, don't say that. Um, <laughs> but here's the deal. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. Parents don't, they don't know how to parent. They don't, they don't have all the answers. Like, they, they don't know it on their own. Like, like parenting tactics, listen, Parenting tactics comes from their history. Like there's no, like when a mom gives birth to a child, it doesn't come out with a handbook and says, here's how you take care of this kid. That's not how it works. 
But fortunately for us, there's a book that does help us with all significant relationships, and that's the Bible. And it helps us with all kinds of relationships. And I realize not everyone in this room with a group this size, maybe not everyone in this room is a follower of Jesus. Maybe not everyone is a Christian in this room, and that's okay. But maybe not everyone is setting their life on the word of God or maybe on God's standards. But if you were to just follow, if, you were, if all you did was follow the relational advice that this book gave us, I, I promise you, your life would be different. It would be different. If I could... If I could I've thought about this. I've had this plan. If I could take and market to middle school boys, if I could market cologne or, or a, a, a lotion or like a toothpaste, like something where I could say, hey, if, guys, if you use this, you'll get all the babes. There would be guys coming up to me saying, hey, uh, let me have some of that stuff. Like, it, like, they wouldn't do it in front of the crowd, in front of the room, or in front of the girls. Like, they would catch me, like, later on in the parking lot or whatever, and be like, hey, bro, send me this, some of that stuff. Like, what, what is that? Like, if I could give you something, though, tonight that could make us successful in relationships, would you go after it? See, God has done this for us, and he's given us this love letter to, to help us with these things. So I want to share a few verses with you tonight. Um, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. But if not, you can just look at the big magic Bible on the screen. Uh, it says this, Philippians 2, 3, and 4, it says, Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourself. That's kind of hard to do sometimes. And it goes on to say, Don't just think about your own interests but be interested in others too and in what they're doing. So let me simplify that, which I don't know if you can make it any more simple, but uh, maybe do you want to win as a student, as a kid, or as a parent, or do you want to lose? See, if you want to lose, uh, here's what you've got to do. Like just all the time, just think about yourself. And just think about your own interests and only what you're interested in. And don't really care about what anybody else is saying or anybody else. Like, just just only be concerned with yourself. That's how you're guaranteed to lose. But if you want to win, if you want to win with parents or or students, if you want to win, actually, if you want to win with with your friendships, if you want to win with your relationships, if you want to win with parenting or with your kids or with your teachers... Be interested in others. See, let's, let's look at four areas of our life tonight that are going to impact our, our parent-student relationship here. And here's the key with, with all of these areas tonight. It's your choice. The key is, is that it's your choice. I can sit up here and talk and say some things, but the, the thing is it's, it's your choice to, to listen or to accept these things. So the first thing is this, your words. Your words, it's your choice. Your words can build up or your words can tear down. I was in fourth grade dodgeball. And um, the most, you know, it's, it's really awkward stage of life where you're trying to figure out who you are and you're starting to smell weird and get hair in your armpits and stuff. It's, it's weird. So I was, you're so self, self-conscious about yourself. 
And, and I was, it was in middle school in dodgeball. I said fourth grade. I meant middle school. Dodgeball. And, and we were in this circle of guys. We're coming up with a game plan. And I had a wedgie. I told you, Johnny, I was talking about wedgies tonight. I'm in the middle of this circle, and, and I tried to discreetly release myself of this wedgie. No. There, you know, there's, a, there's that always, there's that from the face of the ugliest child that God has ever created came out the words of his mouth. He said, butt picker. <laughs> and he called me that over and over, and hey, butt picker, you got out, butt picker, you got hit, hey, butt picker, it's lunchtime, like all day, like even actually for a couple weeks, I was butt picker, it was a bad day, it was a bad lunchtime, it was a bad few months in middle school, it was bad because that one kid used those words, and those words followed me for a while, and I was butt picker for a while. And you might be thinking, well, what does that have to do with parents or with family? The, the reality is, is that words hurt. Words hurt. They damage. We, we may say that old saying, well, sticks and stones will make a brain That's trash. That's garbage. Words do hurt. They hurt, and, they, and they're very memorable. Um, like, I want you to, Ephesians 4.29, it says this, when you talk, do not say harmful things, but say what people need. Words that will help others, become, help others become stronger. Then what you say will help those who listen to you. See, you, you want to get your parents to listen to you. Use words that build them up. Like, don't say stuff like, why don't you understand anything that I'm telling you? Or, or maybe we say stuff like, you're so dumb. Or, or, well, their mom or dad, they, they let them do this. Why can't you be really cool like their mom and dad? And we say stuff like that, and, and, or we say stuff like, why can't you just be normal for once? Or you're so stupid, or I hate you. And, and each one of these, these words or these lines or these sentences, it's like a dagger, and it hurts. And each of these hurts, it's remembered. It, it, and it doesn't just heal quickly after the conversation is done. Those, those, those are painful words, and they hang with that person. Every conversation like this, either, either, you either become offensive or you become defensive. You're either tearing someone down or you're being torn, some da- torn down. And then at that point, all real communication stops. Proverbs twelve eighteen it says this, Careless words stab like a sword, but wise words bring healing. See, the worst part of of wounding those in your family is that wounding, it breaks down security. And we all need security. We all need that. We need secure homes. We need secure families. We need a place that we can go home and be safe. You, you, you will always lose when you tear down, but it's your choice. It's your choice, and you can either build up and you, and you can win. I, I'll never forget, um, I was, it was my first time learning how to mow the yard, and I was out there pushing the lawnmower, and I was, I was running over tree branches. I was running over rocks, all, like shooting rocks at the house, all kinds of stuff. 
my dad runs out of the house and he's mad, like furious. And, and in my home growing up, we didn't say, we didn't call each other stupid. We didn't say things like, you're an idiot. I don't know why, it was just bad words in my home. But my dad runs out of the house and he's like, you're so stupid, what are you doing, you idiot? And I just remember pushing, yeah, that's funny to you? Okay. Well, we're going to talk later. Um, <laughs> but we, so I remember he ran out of the house saying these things and I was like, pushing the lawnmower and like trying to mow, like it crushed me. And I know to most of us in this room, those, are, those probably aren't like hurtful words or like, oh, we say that all the time. You're, you're a dummy for acting like that. Well, maybe, but, but words can hurt. Um, so I, I want you to try this. Um, I'm going to give like, like 30 seconds. 30 seconds. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say something kind to them. Say maybe your parent and maybe your friend. Each, each take a turn saying something kind, saying something nice, saying something encouraging to your parent, to your friend. Okay, hopefully you were able to think of something. Um, but here, here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. Number two. First thing was your words. The second thing is your attitude. It's your attitude. And this is for parents and students alike. Your attitude. <clears throat> but once again, it's your choice. It's your choice. You can be ungrateful or you can be thankful. See, We all, each one of us, we live in a house where we've been given so much. We grow, but what we do is we grow up and we think that we're entitled to these things. When you're entitled to something, you're not thankful for something. See, like, like for instance, like I I don't mind like uh, taking my kids out and a couple of their friends out and buying them meals. I don't mind that at all. But when we go out to eat and then the kids are like, I'll just steps up and like, I'll have a blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, who do you think you are? I didn't tell you I was paying for your meal. And I don't mind being generous and I don't mind giving, but when they come to just expect it, something's a little bit wrong. Maybe, maybe for you it's making dinner or washing clothes or, or buying lunch stuff or, or uh, taking you places um, or paying for lessons or paying the bills Um, Stuff that has happened your entire life that maybe you don't even think about. And maybe you're in this room and you're like, I'm I'm entitled to that stuff. If they they didn't want to provide for me, they never should have birthed me. That's gross. We're not going to say that. We're not telling. There's an attitude of maturity that that actually appears or that you actually grab a hold on to maybe later in your high school years or maybe into college where you begin to realize, man, my my parents, they do a lot for me. They actually do a lot for me. And this maturity, is it's also an indicator of spiritual growth. It's what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says this, give thanks Whatever happens, this is what God wants for you to do in Christ Jesus. He's saying, be, be thankful no matter what happens. How about an attitude of thankfulness that's directly connected to our families? 
Like here's what the Bible says, 1 Timothy 5, 8. He says, it says this, anyone who won't care for his own relatives when they need help, especially those living in his own family, has no right to say he's a Christian. Ouch. Such a person is worse than the person who does not believe in God. That's pretty brutal. See, being a youth pastor for 17 years, right? Yeah. 17 years. I, I've seen just about every parenting style. Um, I, I've, seen, I've seen about every way of parent-student relationship. I, I've seen a lot of different things. I've seen parents who, uh, are, who are trying to be their kid's best friend and let them do everything, and let them get by with everything, instead of being the parent. I've seen many, 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 many helicopter moms, but now it's gotten even worse. They're just lawnmower moms. They're like, I'm mowing you over. My kid is the greatest. He gets everything he wants. Don't point any fingers. But being a parent of a teenager myself, and being a parent in general, like I, I strongly desire... I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great parent to my kids. And and there's been students where I can see a great parent-student relationship. There, there are a lot of times I'll, and, and when I see that, there's a lot of times where I'll ask that student about that their relationship with their parent because I want to learn. I want to say, hey, what is it that 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 you love so great about your parents? Because usually at the teenage age, students, teenagers are like, get away from me. But usually when there's a close relationship, that means there's, there's something great happening in the home. And so a lot of times I'll ask, and, and here's what a lot of students will say to me, kind of generally along these lines. Um, when I ask them about the great relationship they have with their parent, they'll say something like this. Well, they were there. They were present. They were at the games. They even went to the practices. They, they, they even when I wasn't even on the field or on the court, they were there. Or when I was in the actual, I was just a, 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 the sound man in the play. They were there. They were always present and always encouraging. But then even, even a few more said something like this. Um, actually, almost every one of the students I talked to said something like this. They were tough, but they were loving. They were tough, but they were loving. They would explain why they would make decisions and, and actions. And then every single student that I would ask would say this. They would spend time with me, talking, hanging out, going out to eat, laughing, eating, just time. And those are the, a few of the huge things I've gotten from students over the years that the, where I've seen a great parent-student relationship. They spent time. They cared. They were present. They were encouraging they helped. Maybe you're in this room and you're like, oh, well, I don't have anything to be thankful for. I'm not a big list person, but maybe you need to make a list. Like maybe you need to start with, well, I don't have a wedgie, so I'm not going to be called butt picker. And well, speaking of wedgies, my parents buy me underwear. Like, you know, start making a list. I don't know. Write that down. As you begin to list these things that you're thankful for, your attitude begins to change a little bit. And this, this may be the best idea for you guys. You might want to write this one down. This may be the best idea you'll get today. I'm going to save you thousands of dollars over your lifetime. I want you to get this. Write a thank you letter. 
Here's the deal. Students, catch this. Forget buying your parents' presents for the rest of your life. Here's the deal. Like, here's the deal. You usually buy garbage presents anyways. Let's be honest here. Come on. They don't want your presence. They, parents, they want your attention. They, they want your love expressed in words. As a parent, I don't want a shirt that says world's greatest dad because I'm not the, I know I'm not the only one getting that shirt. And really, did you in survey the entire world? No, you didn't. It's an, it's an inauthentic present. Save your money. But here's what you do. Write a letter in your own words. Tell your mom or tell your dad how grateful you are, how thankful you are, how special they are, how amazing they are, how wonderful they are, and they will buy you things. Like when my kids write me a letter, like a few years ago, we went to Nicaragua on a missions trip, and my daughter wrote me this little note, and she said, I'm going to miss you the most. And my wife was on this trip too. And I was like, you know that's right. I showed her the note. I said, look at this. I'm the best. Like, you, you write your parents a note, and, and like, they want to frame it. They'll keep it forever. They'll go to sleep at night reading your note. Like, I, like, I want to take the, my favorite sentence out of this note and get it tattooed across my chest. I promise you'll get a 10% change immediate in your family just by writing that letter. More than, hey, Dad, uh, you're cool. You don't sweat very much. <laughs> like, write a letter. Tell, tell your family how much you love them. The third thing is your heart. Once again, it's your choice. You can be bitter or forgive. Have you guys ever been around a bitter person? Someone who's just bitter all the time. Like, they're, they're not a lot of fun, are they? Like you, you have, it's like they're walking around with this just heavy weight on their lives. They're the kind of person when they're walking around um, and, and like you drop something across the room and they're like, way to go, Mr. Coordination. Like, okay. Like, it's like they have this sickness and every time that they talk to you, they want to vomit some of it on your face. Their bitterness on your, yeah, it's gross, I know. But, but. And, and here's the deal. You may have a lot of genuine reason to be bitter in your life. Maybe a lot of things have happened to you. Maybe even, maybe even uh, bitter at your parents or a bitter parenting home situation. Maybe bitterness towards your kids because they're such little jerks. Okay, but, but, but let, me, let me warn you real quick. You'll always lose when you're bitter. You'll always lose when you're bitter. Bitter people are always looking for ammunition. They're always looking for something that they can grab a hold of and and have on their side and then shoot it at you when you do something wrong. When that conversation comes up, you remember that time? What about when you said this about me or you did this to me? I can't believe you because every time this happens, you do this. See, bitterness is a negative worldview, and it turns everything into ammunition. See, forgiving, it's, it's a difficult action to take. It's very difficult. One of the reasons why is we feel that when someone hurts us, they need to come to me. 
they hurt me. And see, the problem is, if you've hurt me, chances are I, I may not even know it. Or, I'm sorry, you may not even know it. You may be sitting there hurt by a parent, or you may be sitting there hurt by a kid, or maybe by even someone else you know, someone at work or someone at, at church or wherever. You may be hurt by that parent or that kid, and they don't even know that they've wounded you. Ephesians four thirty one and 32, it says this, Stop being bitter or angry or mad. Quarreling, harsh words, and dislike of others should have no place in your lives. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as, as God has forgiven you because you belong to Christ. See, those of you in this room who are followers of Jesus, maybe you're a Christian and you're never more like Jesus than when you're forgiving others. And you'll never forgive someone else more than Jesus has already forgiven you. You want to win with your parents or parents, you want to win with your kids, you've got to learn to be a forgiver. It's your choice. Ask, ask forgiveness out of the blue. Uh, like that hurt that you said, like, I just want to let you know that I forgive you. Or mom, I was thinking about something that I said to you the other day, and I've got to let you know that I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Find opportunities to be a forgiver. See, some of our families have never had that kind of language in our homes. But I want you to know tonight, that's the language of healing. That's the language of healing in your homes. There are some actions um, of, of healing. Uh, being forgiveness is actions. And the last thing I want to tell you about is this. The fourth thing is your faith. Once again, it's your choice. You can rely on your own wisdom or you can tap into God's wisdom. Uh, Jess, would you play some music? I'm going to wrap it up here. This is, like, this is like one of the basic principles of spiritual growth. It's saying it, what, what you're doing here when you're doing this, it's saying that I'm not powerful enough on my own to make this happen. God, you're the creator of the universe. You created me. You designed the family. I need your help. The, the whole others-centered idea is your idea, God. I, I kind of like me-centered living. So God, I'm going to need your help in big ways. Colossians 1, 9 and 10, it says this. We ask God to give you a complete understanding of what he wants to do in your lives. And we ask him to make you wise with spiritual wisdom. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and you'll continually do good, kind things for others. All the while, you'll learn to know God better and better. So pretend like my, my youngest, Jet Calvin, he's six years old. Pretend, so let's imagine he's is, is stranded in the desert somewhere, and it's hot, and it's miserable, and I, I know what he needs. He needs water. And I, I'm not right there to give it to him, but I know what he needs. He needs water. And he cries out, Dad, give me something to drink. Quit my thirst, Dad. Dad, would you give me something? And, and then maybe he, maybe he just gets a little bit more specific. He's like, Dad, I want a Slurpee from 7-Eleven. Like, no, 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 not the little one, the 64-ouncer. Like root beer flavored with, with a little bit of cherry 
on the top and, and a licorice straw, Dad. And instead, I hand him water. Because I know what he needs. And he yells at me and he's like, you don't listen to me. You never answer my requests. Well, that's not really an accurate statement, is it? Because I, I, I know what he needs. Maybe you're in this room and you say, well, I've tried to pray, but God doesn't answer my prayer. Maybe, maybe God has answered your prayers, but he's, he's given you the water that you need instead of the 60 ouncer. Instead of the, he's given you the thing that you really need, maybe instead of the things that you just want. We're looking for the deluxe Slurpee. Because what happens is we're so me-focused that we can't separate a lot of times our wants from our needs. I want to tell every person in this room, every, every student, every parent, that God has a plan, God has a dream for your family. And I got to tell you tonight, it's a good one. God has a plan, God has a dream for your life. And it's a good one. It's a good one. Talk to him about it. Spend some time with him about it. I'm going to pray.